Thank you for joining us for another episode of More Than Numbers Enneagram for Business. Today we have commercial real estate business owners and partners, Daniel and Austin in Albuquerque, New Mexico. They took the True Strategy Enneagram assessment, the first time being exposed to the Enneagram. And in this episode, we walk through their types, their partnership, why their partnership works so well, and how the seven and the one, the type seven enthusiast and the type one perfectionist are just a power partnership. Enjoy. Austin, Daniel, we're so excited to have you guys on our podcast today. Uh, we've got a special treat as we're going to be doing a live typing interview with some successful commercial realtors. Um, look, I can't tell you guys how excited I was to be able to do this. Um, so thanks for taking the time to be on today. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having us. Uh, I, I, you know, speaking for myself, maybe not for Daniel, but uh, I think we learned a lot from it. Comparing some notes, I, I think we've got some interesting things to find out here. Yeah, it, uh, we're excited to be here. It uh, was kind of shocking after taking this thing how how true it was, the good and the bad. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I don't agree with the bad at all. <laughs> yeah, the bad is not me. I, I, I won't yeah, that. I do. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> what Cal's going to do, he's going to ask you some questions to kind of pinpoint the types and make sure we confirm that and also your thought process behind that. Uh, but I wanted to just first give a little bit of background about what you guys are currently doing in business and how you guys ended up together. Yeah, Austin, do you want me to take it yeah, away there? Yeah, take it away, man. You got it. Yeah, so we, uh, Austin and I met at a local development company here in Albuquerque. I was a broker. Um, he started there as the director of marketing. Um, so basically he was putting together flyers. He was working on the website. He was promoting the brokers. He was doing all that work um, and turned out that he was promoting and working on a lot of stuff that I was working on. Um, kind of meanwhile, uh, one of our other business partners was kind of nudging Austin to get his real estate license. I was kind of doing the same thing. I was like, hey, man, you're good at a lot of stuff I'm not good at. Uh, maybe, maybe we could work together. Really, you should get that license. You know. So we started in cubicles next to each other. And then once he got his real estate license, we uh, moved into an office. And uh, we were there for about... Uh, three and a half, four years. Mm -hmm. And then um, the two of us and another partner, Rob Powell, uh, started uh, the local chapter of Resolute Real Estate uh, out of Texas here in New Mexico. Um, so primarily what we focus on is retail leasing, investment sales. Um, we do a, a few kind of redevelopment things and ground up developments that are more exciting to work on. And when those things happen, we put them on our walls um, and something to be proud of, I guess. Uh, but, you know, we have a lot of fun. We work with a lot of local tenants here in Albuquerque, a lot of restaurants, um, you know, a lot of, lot of uh, local property owners um, and kind of get to shape Albuquerque a little bit. So we have a lot of fun with it. You said something that uh, is really going to get us into this conversation quick, fast, and in a hurry, and I'm excited about it. You said that Austin was good at a lot of things that you were not good at. So you identified some strengths in him that also helped some of your short shortcomings. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Um, so I have never done a personality test before. I know Austin maybe has in, in college, awesome. maybe. Yeah, uh, different ones he was saying. But when, when we were kind of early on, we had mentors, you know, Rob Powell, Brad Allen, people that we were working for, and they kept uh, 
pressing this idea that, you know, uh, it's really important that you work together as a team or a partnership, find somebody that you work with and figure out what you're good at, figure out what your skills are, where you kind of fall into naturally and exploit that and just work on that. Um, put your head down and work on that. For me, uh, that seemed to be a lot of active prospecting. It seemed to be uh, kind of the face-to-face with people. Um, I struggled, you know, once there was more than five or 10 deals going on at the same time to even stay organized um, with everything that was going on. And, and, oh my gosh, what happened to that person's phone number, let alone when was I supposed to get back to them and what deal did they want to do? Um, it was on a sticky note, probably under my car seat or something. Um, then you have Austin and he can elaborate more on that. Very, very organized, extremely organized, <laughs> you know, wanted to use a CRM, um, very attention to detail when it came to marketing, uh, putting things together like, like brochures and pamphlets and, and things that we needed to go out and do that. So it became pretty apparent that we were two different people trying to achieve the same goal. So why not, why not partner up? He can exploit what he's good at. I can exploit what I'm good at. Let's be 50, 50 partners. And that's kind of how it started. Mm. Um, you know, it, it didn't seem like it would work if we were two of the same people, you know, we're just mm-hmm. creating a mess, you know? <laughs> no, um, right. So naturally it seemed like a good fit from the beginning. Austin, anything to add to that? What would you say some of uh, Daniel's strengths are that uh, you leverage? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I always think it, uh, there, there's a lot more going, uh, you know, from, from Daniel's side than coming from my side. So I'm glad he thinks 50, 50, uh, Daniel is really, I mean, he's, he's the salesman. I mean, he is the guy that, uh, you know, takes lead on, on the conversations, uh, jumps right in and is able to, uh, you know, really just describe a product and get somebody bought in, build the excitement. I am then sitting on the other side going, here's the logistics of it. Here's the price. Here's what you're looking for. Here's what we can do and we can't do. Daniel's, let's be creative. Let's make it work. Whatever it is, it's yes. And what's great about that is that we, we, we're a partnership that can sit there and bounce off of each other. So when I get stuck in a rut and I say, this just isn't going to happen, Daniel figures a way to make it happen. And when Daniel uh, promises the moon, I'm able to drop back a little bit and say, okay, but we got to play within these rules. And it's amazing how our dynamic can get a deal done uh, just by being able to take the, uh, you know, the, the big picture approach while also creating the, uh, the you know, the, the systematized, uh, you know, organization that it would take to put it together. The, the paperwork, the back-end analytics, the, um, you know, the, the consistent follow-up, uh, you know, like we've mentioned, the, the CRM, you know, the, the database that we use to make sure that we capture, uh, you know, all of our, our clients and make sure that we're touching reaching out to them and, uh, you know, and, and hitting them up on a, on a regular basis. And so without those two sides, you know, I would be stuck in the database all day, just, you know, it, it's perfect. Every line is filled in, it's alphabetized. It, it just looks great. It's color coded, but I wouldn't make any of the calls. And then there's Daniel over here, just ripping through it. Doesn't matter if it's filled, just make the call anyways. And then, oh gosh, who did I call? And so we just work perfectly together. That's something that you don't see in our industry very often. You might see partnerships, but uh, two people that think very differently, um, it, you know, it's something kind of new uh, and, and very cool. I have to say, I need to, I feel like put a disclaimer in here. I've never met either of you. 
I did not feed you these responses because when you hear what you're saying and how your partnership works so well together, Austin, you scored as a one and Daniel, you scored as a seven. It's like, you're describing very specifically how a one and a seven operate and how they complement each other. So I brought Lamar into the operation as COO because he is a one, the perfectionist or the improver, very systems oriented. And I'm an eight wing seven, Daniel. So a lot of those similar tendencies where I'll connect with people and I'll get a lot of stuff turned up and getting it going, but I don't like the systems. I feel like it, it slows me down or, or it's not really my strength. So that was why I said, Lamar, I need you to come alongside some of these things and support this, uh, kind of leave a trail where we're going. So I'm hearing you guys say this. I had to say a disclaimer because if people listen to this, they're going to think that I have you reading like a script. <laughs> Is this a commercial? <laughs> exactly. I couldn't believe how, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, yeah, we so, can tell you, we, we've always thought this in the back of our mind, just, you know, why this works because we are so different. You know, we've been working together for five years, I think at, at this point, And we have always thought, okay, you know, how, how exactly does this work and what is all of our, uh, you know, our strengths and weaknesses towards each other. And so it's interesting to actually put some kind of a, uh, a label, a thought, a, uh, you know, what, what strengths and weaknesses uh, really look like that, you know, we both kind of, you know, sat back and said, wow, you know, that, that's, uh, that's really cool to be self-aware like that. Well, it's really great to see that you two have leveraged those strengths and understood each other's liabilities instead of what happens more often in a partnership where they try to make each other like themselves. So Daniel would try to make Austin more outgoing and more of a people person. Austin would try and make Daniel more logistical and uh, organizational. Instead, you said, hey, run in your direction. I want to do my thing. That comes with a lot of maturity. But I've seen that oftentimes in partnership breakdowns and even marriages when I'm coaching them that they're not understanding each other for their strengths. They're trying to say, be more like me or see it more of the mm. way that I see it. So you guys have really crushed it, even just hearing how you feed off of each other. Has it, has it been like that from the beginning where you, you know, were able to recognize each other's strengths and then just begin to leverage them? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Um, it, you know, it does get hard sometimes. We, we do other coaching and commercial real estate and other things that kind of um, push us into different avenues, kind of out of our comfort zone, I would say, um, where, you know, we do a specific type of coaching where it's, you know, we got to make 20 prospecting calls a week. And um, Austin, like he said, he doesn't like it that much, but once he gets into the swing of things, now he's kind of feeling like he'll, he's doing more prospecting calls than me. Um, so that, and we're all, we've all got a, we've all got kind of presence that we do as well. Um, so we've got to all do our marketing and we have to, basically all input all of our deals into the CRM and keep track of everything and capture everything. So there's a lot of things where, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm running against the grain uh, doing things, but for the vast majority of times we, we try to uh, definitely exploit what we're good at. Um, uh, but it, you know, it's nice stepping out of the comfort zone sometimes for mm -hmm. sure. Well, we're going to get into it when we get into your results and those PDFs as to why the one and the seven, you probably notice they have a line connecting each other. So oh, I'm going to tell you what that means. And what that means is that they take on characteristics of each other. So you're very, you're, you may be very different, but you also have a lot of similarities. I think that's what also makes the partnership great. And we'll dive into that further. But before we get into that, you both read through your results. You both took the true strategy Enneagram assessment. What stood out to you? You said like, wow, this was really enlightening. 
what were some things that you took away just reading through it initially? <laughs> yeah, we were, uh, we were just talking about that uh, not too long ago. And, um, you know, Daniel was like, man, this is spot on weird and, uh, you know, and creepy for, for different parts <laughs> of it, you know, to actually get that label. Uh, you know, I mean, for, for me, you know, being labeled a perfectionist is, uh, is hard to read. <laughs> uh, but one, one, you know, once I actually read through it, uh, you know, being, a, being the type one I am, I went through and highlighted different parts of it that really stuck out. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and I mean, it, it, it's amazing, uh, you know, how some of these things work. And then what I noticed too, and I know we'll get into it is, uh, you know, what, how do you respond in confidence? How do you respond in stress? And uh, really resonated with, wow, that line that, that takes me to a seven uh, when I'm in confidence is really when Daniel and I are working well together is when we're both in the same, same side going, okay, you know, we're, we're fun to be around. Uh, you know, it was playful, joyful, funny, and energetic, uh, you know, when you're at your best, you know, the, the best parts of a type seven. Um, and so anyways, th thought it was very interesting, uh, you know, bits and pieces of it that, that really resonated with me. Was this your first time like being exposed to anything Enneagram? I, I had done a bunch of them through, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, in college business school, uh, you know, with UNM and Anderson. And so I had done a few, uh, what, what stuck out to me in the past, uh, you know, was, you know, I had all of these these things where I was saying, wow, you know, I'm a, I'm a people person, you know, I, mm -hmm. I have to work with people. I've got big goals that uh, require a team, but then I am, uh, you know, I, but I'm also, oh goodness, what's it called? Not a, uh, not outgoing, but. Oh, introvert, not an yeah, extrovert. But, I, but I'm an introvert with an extroverted mind. And so that was mm -hmm. my first exposure to something like that saying, oh, okay, that, that makes more sense. I need time to myself to create the processes and be very organized. But then at the same time, when I create those, I want to carry them out with other people. And so that was yeah. very eye opening. This is of course, a lot more in depth um, and brings out some things that maybe that doesn't cover. That's just me overall without having the steps of, you know, how, you know, what, what are the other influences and how do you react in different situations? So I thought that was very interesting reading this versus other models. Lamar, you're a type one, uh, Lamar as well, when he found out he was a perfectionist, uh, we, we lovingly refer to them as well as improvers or reformers because like they, they see something. I know maybe we should rename it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, perfectionist grabs people's attention like, no, I'm not. Or yes, I am. That's the response. Sure. Right. And sure. so it's really a, a reformer. It's seeing or an improver seeing okay, what can I make better? How can I make it better? And then taking action to make it better. So it's like Daniel's crushing it. He has all of these skills. I see some areas I can help make mm -hmm. this better and then making it better. The outside world will call us a perfectionist. Us ourselves would say, I'm just making it a little bit better. Uh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that we could work on here. Exactly. Yeah, I, I will say probably for the commercial real estate industry, I am a perfectionist. You know, we're, yeah. we're a, a full class of, you know, fly by night, no organization, write things on post-its. And then, right. and then I, I ended <laughs> in and I said, well, you know, coming from marketing, I, I can do this. And so right. here's the things that I could do to improve it and I can systematize it. And, uh, you know, it, it's been a, a great uh, road to go on while working with, with Daniel, a very, very uh, typical commercial real estate broker in the way that, uh, you know, that, that you see the success coming. So Daniel, going over to your end, what stood out to you? Yeah, like I said, it was the negative stuff that stood out to me more than the positive stuff. Um, immediately, uh, the idea of when something gets hard, 
um, trying to avoid that, basically fill that up with more activity, more work, something else to do. Um, that's, that's my MO. I mean, I, and, and that's, that's a really negative part of me. You know, I, I'll have to stay up until midnight, you know, occupying my mind somehow so that I don't think about, um, taxes that I have to pay in the future or, or that person that I didn't call that or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, uh, uh, really the word gluttony really stood out to me, you know, trying, trying to fill that up with something. Um, and then, you know, I was reading this with my wife last night and I was like, does this sound like me? They are skilled at knowing how to reframe any situation so that their behavior is justified. This allows them to avoid the reality of sadness, grief, and hurting others, pain, limitations, or boredom. And she just started cracking up. And I was like, <laughs> 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 so I, apparently that does sound like me. I guess I, yeah, I can, I can turn any situation. And maybe that's kind of positive too. You know, yeah. if something's going bad. You know, I never let it be a bad thing. Um, especially if I'm framed in a, in a negative light in, in her eyes, I'll try to try to reframe it right. pretty quickly. And that's, uh, that's so a good f- and a bad thing, but yeah. Right. And there's, and sorry, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but the, the, the good thing about this stuff is that it, it shows you your weaknesses so that you can turn those things and leverage them into strengths or, or yeah. catch, capture yourself when you're in these moments. And like, do I really need this? Does the situation really need this part of me right now? Uh, it's just it's just the ultimate awareness. And it does focus on a lot of the downsides of your types. But trust me, every type has a downside, except if you meet a type eight like Keanu, they think they have no downsides, which is their downside. <laughs> <laughs> I am perfect. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's it's more so uh, I was watching a show the other day and it's uh, I forget what the show was called, but there's a stubborn old man. He's the father. And he said something about y- your dad's opinions or other people's opinions. He said he doesn't believe in opinions. It, there's what he believes and the BS everyone else thinks. Like He's right. Uh, but the defense mechanism of a type eight is, is denial. So it's really like, it's very similar to a seven that, ah, that didn't really happen. I'm fine. Let's just continue to move on with it. But uh, no, we'll, we'll get back to what you were saying, Daniel, and breaking it down. And then I have some thoughts to share. Cool. Yeah. No, I mean, the only other things that were really, uh, you know, something that somebody, a couple of people have always told me, whether it be my wife, mom, dad, family, friends like Austin or mentors, um, what they like about me is that I'm constantly optimistic, even if, even if things, and let me preface that with before March of 2020, I was constantly optimistic and, and, you know, I'm like, am I still that type seven, but I, I'm starting to feel that way again, but I'm yeah, just uh, kind of infectiously optimistic, uh, always positive outlook. There's always a way to do something. There's always a way to get there. Um, and I, I think that's what stood out kind of in a, in a positive light for sure. Yes. And well, so there's, there, there were two examples there where the, forever optimist sometimes can feel like a liability or a weakness and then how it's also leveraged as a strength. And that's what I was going to say to what you had said earlier, every strength, if left unchecked can become a weakness or a liability, but every weakness, right. That we, we harness can be turned into a strength. So what the Enneagram does is it just gives us a framework for things that we've always felt or that we've always thought, and it puts them in their proper place. So Austin, you were saying earlier that, Hey, I thought these things and I felt these things, but now I have 
like a, a framework to it. What I tell yeah. people is it's almost like a map. Like if you look at a satellite image of a map, it's just a lot of trees and, and well, unless you're in New Mexico, it's trees and it's desert. And it's a little bit of everything. Uh, but what the Enneagram does is it puts like a road overlay and you guys are in real estate. So you, of course you can appreciate the, the example and it shows you, okay, there are roads here. There's ways to navigate what just looks like land. And so the land is still there. You know, you are still who you are. This just gives you proper understanding of what is a liability and, and what is a strength. And again, putting those in the proper, proper places. So that way we don't exist throughout life thinking that, well, this strength is actually a weakness because it's not like Austin's strength or, you know, this weakness might be a strength because I enjoy it, but it actually could be a downfall, i.e. what we were covering earlier in my sense of sometimes denial. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's talk about partnership. Um, you two, like I said, have really learned to leverage each other in understanding each other. And I wanted to touch on something that I think is absolutely crucial. I think there are a lot of people that like to exist in the world like Mavericks that they can just do it on their own. And I think to a degree, they're right. But I truly do believe, and clearly you do too, that you can't get nearly as far with someone else. When I brought Lamar on, he didn't double you know, our impact. He tripled it or quadrupled it. And so tell me a bit about how you've actually lived in that space of partnerships and why it's so important to the two of you. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big loaded question. We, we love it. I mean, you know, like, like I mentioned before, commercial real estate, I mean, you, you see some partnerships, uh, but, you know, a lot of people that, that are, you know, working on their own, maybe it's a, a mentor mentee uh, for a period of time until a, a new broker, um, you know, get, gets up on their feet. What was cool about, uh, you know, about Daniel and I to begin with is that we were both very young brokers when we came together. Average age of commercial real estate is 55. Um, so, really tells you, um, you know, where, where we're working within the space. And then for the two of us to, instead of going and working with, uh, you know, with, with mentors, which, uh, you know, I mean, we, we did have our, our mentors, uh, you know, that we worked with, but for us to partner up and to start on, this was very interesting, uh, you know, being in the, in our twenties and then, uh, and then, you know, again, being so different, uh, we've always believed that, you know, Hey, if our, if our partnership is not yielding way more than double the results, then it doesn't make sense. We can just do this on our own. And we've seen tremendous value from being in a partnership for the last five years. Uh, speaking out of turn here a little bit, I think what's really cool is that, um, you know, not only do we, do we work in a team environment, we like to go to uh, showings together and listing appointments to pick up new properties and, and have a lot of the same clients. But then we do a lot of work uh, separately that yields results to one another. Uh, and what we've realized from those is even when, uh, you know, I am out going and picking up a new listing opportunity, Daniel has the buyer, the tenant that's going to fill that property. We put it together. And I mean, that's such a small example of, uh, of what we do. I work a ton with the real estate community and have great relationships with other uh, competing brokers in our commercial, uh, you know, in commercial real estate. And so a lot of times I will field the offer because they know who I am. Uh, they, you know, I, I'm there meeting with them for breakfast or presenting or, you know, whatever the case is, and then shop that right over to Daniel because he's the lead broker and is, uh, you know, he's the maverick uh, that's able to recollect everything about a property. And so we do a lot of that where our teamwork is just seamless in leveraging those strengths and not having to step on each other's toes too often to yield the best results. And we, we work on that, you know, daily. I mean, that's, that's a big part of it. Yeah, no. And if, if I can touch on that, I mean, I've always tried to find the correct metaphor for commercial real estate. 
I've kind of made a comparison to, um, you know, the guy that's kind of doing it himself is out, you know, he's outside with a shovel and he's, he's out prospecting for his work and he's going deal by deal by deal. Um, one deal in front of him, one at a time. Um, and then at the end of the year, your net yield is maybe two deals a month or something like that. But commercial real estate, there's no cap. So the idea is you're trying to do as many deals during that year as possible. Um, you know, you've got a finite amount of time, but, but how can you actually get it done? Um, and the metaphor I try to make is we're kind of like a bulldozer pushing dirt straight up a hill. Um, and we're trying to capture everything. We move a little bit slower together, um, but we're able to capture just so much more business um, because, you know, every person, every lead, every client that uh, is coming in is being captured. They're being logged. They're being organized, but we're also digging up new things all the time. And then we're just closing them all the way through. So it's, and it, it's really allowed us to just build, you know, even with two or three of us, um, because there is, you know, a third part to this, to this partnership too, at this point, it's, it's allowed us to just build an organization where we could do way, way more deals, uh, together than, than we could separately that. And, you know, there's, there's synergy that comes with it too. Um, especially when we're out working on kind of those same sort of buckets, um, you know, Austin will be out talking to, uh, a new landlord client and they'll say, Hey, we want to find a tenant for this building, or we want to sell this building and he'll come back to the office and we'll, you know, maybe it'll be the end of a day. We, we won't even think we're working anymore. And he'll tell me what happened. And I'll say, Oh my gosh, I've got the perfect buyer for that. I've got the perfect <laughs> tenant for that. Um, so, I mean, there's just so much that comes with it, but uh, it, you know, every, every year we, we step on the scale and we say, are we, are we doing more together than we could be doing separately? Um, mm. It's hard to quantify um, every year. It's, it's, an, it's an astounding. Yes, we are. Um, we try to put numbers to it. We try to track it. We try to step on that scale and, and we are, but it, there's so many things that are going on that, that uh, it's even hard to quantify the true value, but um, I'm sold. <laughs> I don't want to be a, a lone wolf. Um, yeah. No, it's been great. And last, I'll tell you, last year was very hard when we had a, a brief stint out of the office. And when we weren't working in the office, you know, he's on right on the other side of the wall here. And that was very different when we were in, in separate houses trying to set up our meetings and, and mm -hmm. talk through these things. And occasionally we would have a two hour phone call just, uh, you know, just going through stuff just because we needed to vent and, and hang out. Whereas <laughs> normally, you know, we, we just have that throughout the day. Um, and that right. was very hard as, uh, you know, proximity is incredibly important or, uh, important in our, uh, in our relationship and our uh, partnership. Otherwise, you know, I mean, we're, we're looking at the negative sides and saying, well, well, dang it, I can't find the contract because it's not in the Google Drive. Well, right. Daniel's going, is he doing any work? I'm, I'm not hearing from him. And, you know, I'm out here doing all this. And then as soon as we're together, we have the full story. We have all the context. And so that's something that, that we learned big time last year was just, uh, you know, being in the same office and having that synergy is a huge part of our partnership. Mm -hmm. Wow. I think that's encouragement for a lot of people that are transitioning to saying, well, we don't need an office. We can just work from home because they're thinking dollars, but it's, 
and, and it might make sense right now, but you're really missing that key aspect because you, you two said it yourself from the beginning of the partnership, you've really understood each other and worked well together, but that separation, it really did slow down your productivity. So other than just being in separate places, what, what do you think had contributed to not being as effective as you once were before COVID and everything shutting down? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's definitely the, um, you know, not not having that face to face interaction all the time. But but, you know, I, I think a lot of it is um, understanding the full scope of what the other person is doing. It's that we couldn't have that constant communication We there was no um, you know, there, there was no other way to get that, uh, you know, having a, a Zoom or uh, a conference call, you know, we, we still had regular meetings, you know, several times a week with our team to just catch up and report and, and do whatever is possible. But there's a lot that's missed um, that, you know, like, like Daniel and I have said, having two sides of the coin, but if we don't ever, uh, you know, just have time to sit down, vent a little bit outside of the office, talk about the deals that we're working on, the relationships that we're having, the coffee meeting that we just went to, and without all of that, we had a lot of just talking past each other. We had a lot of deals that we were working on where something was, you know, the ball was being dropped. Just, oh, hey, I forgot to tell you, I had that phone conversation. We just updated pricing on this. Oh, uh, we actually are moving forward and, you know, have this have this locked down already. And normally we would just hear, you know, the, the uh, you know, somebody on, uh, you know, Daniel on the speakerphone talking to our landlord. I would have the information and would know about it. And so it wasn't as seamless uh, as it as it is when we're in the office. And so that's, uh, you know, a big part of what we committed to this year was, you know, if we can be in the office, we're going to be because our strengths and weaknesses match up better that way, rather than being something that, you know, kind of pulls us apart and tells us, you know what, we should probably work individually, because uh, I need, I need all the information in front of me, and I need to work the way I do, just like Daniel has to work and understand things the way that he does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it was, it really turned into a night, especially for me, I think Austin's better at uh, communicating over all this technology and zoom and stuff. I'm, I, I hate it. I hate every second of, I love this. I like being together in person. Um, man, we had a nightmare horror story sort of scenario on a deal. I can't remember the exact details, Austin. He might be able to elaborate a little more. Um, somehow I was entrusted, I think, to oh, no. uh, submit an offer that Austin had written and got signed. I forget the exact details. Um, somehow it got buried in my inbox, but it, it was time sensitive, right? Um, extremely time sensitive. And I don't remember how it happened, yeah, but it, it I, got I buried. <laughs> and just because uh -huh. of like a certain amount of time and a, a miscommunication, this property went under contract a day later and we didn't have the buyers. Some other broker did. And we oh. missed out on a, on a million dollar transaction. Right. Oh. And then you start to, uh Oh, you start calculating. Uh, I could have used ten, twelve thousand dollars, you know. Yeah. I, and oh. that was, you know, a little bit of a nightmare, <laughs> especially yeah. when it was COVID nineteen. The sky's falling. How many deals are we going to do? What's going on? Um, and then add to it. Uh, I think, you know, errors of communication, my errors, whatever, whatever we want to call it. It, it was, it was, it was bad. <laughs> yeah, that so, was the perfect storm. That was literally an email 
that I was lead on. Daniel was helping me. I was having a, a surgery on my wrist. And so I couldn't finish out the deal. It was time sensitive and had Daniel taken care of it. An email went to Daniel that he thought I was copied on. So uh, it just went unanswered and the property went under contract with somebody else. And it was uh, like, I, I can't be mad at him. I mean, you know, that. It, he thought I was copied on it. So I would respond to it. And you know, it, it just fell through. If we were yeah. in the office, that never would have happened. I would have yeah. walked over to your office. And said, That's so Why? exciting. We're going under contract. And you would have been like, what are you talking about? Oh. Right. And then we oh, would have man. had a deal. It's right. as simple as that. Well, it's, a, it's a very practical example. Our tagline and what we believe in our business is accelerate relationships, accelerate results. So if you're not accelerating relationship or growing in a relationship, you're ultimately not going to get to the desired result. And maybe you've worked for people that were like that, that said, hey, focus on the result, but you don't really have a relationship with them. So they can't lead you or develop you or work well with you because there is no relationship. So that's a very practical example of accelerate relationships. You need to be around each other. If you're not together, it's very hard to do that. Uh, so Lamar, what they're saying is you need to move out to Charlotte, North Carolina. I knew you were uh, thinking that. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I knew like this whole time I was like, Keanu was like, this is going to be a proof point to give me to move to Charlotte. I'm like, oh, well, nah, so, well, I want to jump into then your results now, and we'll kind of start processing this a little bit and, uh, really share some value with the two of you, as far as your Enneagram types. So yeah, that's going to be really cool. What I'm most excited to see is, is why this is working so well for you guys through the lens of the Enneagram is going right. to be cool. Well, this yeah. is kind of like lifting up the hood and, and seeing underneath and seeing what's going on. So to explain how this works first, I had mentioned these lines here and you had processed and read through your results already. So each of these types, you're actually sharing what we call a path. So you have your dominant number for both of you. It is the type one and the type seven and your dominant type that is your at your core who you are we believe that unlike other personality assessments it's not who you become it's it's how you were created and then our growth or our maturity is in how much more we begin to understand or shed light on other parts of our personality so at your core you're a seven and you're a one and then we have these arrows that you're seeing here for you austin you have arrows to a seven and arrows to a four and then for for you daniel you have arrows to a one and arrows to a five and those are those paths that we were talking about so those show how you take on characteristics of other types when you're at your best and at your worst and everything in between but you don't necessarily become those types and that was what stood out to me when i first dove into the enneagram is that it didn't just put you in this box or give you a couple paragraphs about who you are it showed you hey this is who you are and these are some characteristics that you'll kind of navigate so learning that for me as an eight i don't like to be similar to you austin limited or trapped or controlled rather so this right. showed me no i have a lot of room to move about the cabin and i'm not confined to this definition of who you say i am and so really what you're doing is you're taking on your, you have your dominant type, then you have your paths, and then you have what we call wings. So I mentioned earlier, Daniel, that I'm an eight wing seven, meaning that these are the numbers that neighbor yours. So Daniel, you'd either be a seven wing eight or a seven wing six. And we have that here in your results. So that way you can look into it and just kind of see on the surface what resonates most. And then Austin, you'd be a one wing two or what we call a one wing nine. And again, it just shows how you look different uh, from other type ones. So mm -hmm. Lamar's a one wing nine. So he looks much, much more logistical and logical and in some ways cold <laughs> details. It's more, I would call it laid back, you know, could be That's introverted, you know, yeah. I'm not, 
I'm not really, I don't really force myself to be in the picture too often, right? People not, aren't as important. They're yeah. important. They're just not as important. Exactly. So I don't, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I, I resonate on that side as well. I, I, I definitely highlighted that more detached, logical, interpersonal and objective. And that that's that's what I retract to so I can build the processes and then bring them out to my, you know, to my one or to my seven, depending on how I'm feeling. So mm-hmm, yes. uh, definitely interesting there, Lamar. We'll, we'll get along. <laughs> Absolutely. So we'll, we'll definitely have to when we're back in Albuquerque, we'll get together with you guys. I think we'll have a great yeah, time. Go. Um, so you were saying earlier, Austin, how you, 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 you'll retreat or you'll fall back so that way you can get the information or get things together so that you can go forward into your interactions. Well, that was such a great example of what you look like in that confidence path, taking on some of those healthier characteristics of the seven, the better characteristics of Daniel, essentially. And then you're aligning in understanding, okay, now we're running kind of at the same pace. Yours just has a little bit more detail or at your core, you're driven by the details. But at the same time, one thing that I think is interesting for your partnership specifically, is that you can also understand really Daniel's weaknesses or when he's in a low place. So when Daniel's in a low place, the insecurity path, he's going to take on some of the lower or more unhealthy characteristics of you essentially. So if he's down, you can connect with him in a way that says, oh, I get it, right? I understand that because that's also a part of me. So it's just interesting to see how these numbers are interacting here. And then you can take this information, this knowledge on these results and sit down and process it together. Like, what does this mean? Or how have we seen this in, in, in life or in our business dealings? And then find more examples. So it's kind of like, a, we call it the reticular activator. When you see something, you can't unsee it. So the Enneagram is doing that. It's bringing it to our awareness, bringing it to our, the forefront. And then we're going to continue to see this everywhere now and continue to unpack it uh, and leverage it. So what we have, this first page are our internal drivers. And this again is what sets the Enneagram apart because it tells us at our core why we're doing what we're doing. And if we understand what we are avoiding, pursuing and struggling with and what fulfills us, well, then we really have everything we need right there. We can deal with any what or any situation if we know why, why we're doing what we're doing. So our avoids here on our results, it tells you basically what you fear what you avoid, very self-explanatory. Our pursues is like our desire. This is what we're looking for in and out of every situation, whether it's holding the door for someone at the gas station or having a conversation with your spouse, you're still pursuing this to some degree. And then the dominant struggle, this is not to say you don't struggle with all things. So Austin, you might struggle with some gluttony from time to time and Daniel might struggle with some resentment, but it's your dominant struggle and it's what really rises to the top. And Daniel, you had mentioned earlier, like gluttony, Yes, that can be leveraged as a strength for me as a type eight, my dominant struggle is lust or excess. So very similarly, it's more, always more. And what I've realized in that dominant struggle is that I'm always going to want more. So stop thinking of success as a destination and it helped me to realize that success is now since I'm always going to want more since even when true strategy is at its height and it's, it's pinnacle of success, I'll probably go find another business and start from scratch anyways, because I like the more. So I might as well just love it now. And so it really set me free from this idea of what's next or what's more. It's like, no, I can get all that I want right here. And then the resentment uh, for you, Austin, that dominant struggle, type ones want to be good and do the good things or the right things in the right way. So it's wrong 
or type ones perceive it as wrong to voice their anger or express their anger. So they'll bottle up their resentment internally. They'll suppress it. And then it'll start to leak out and maybe being critical or judgmental. It's like putting a Mentos in a Coke bottle and tightening the lid. Eventually it's going to start to seep out because they believe, well, it's wrong to be outward uh, out and out angry. So I'll just harbor resentment. And so it's helpful to see that uh, because ones as well, they have a very, very loud inner critic. And this probably helpful, helpful for you, Daniel, you might have noticed this already. Ones have a loud inner critic. So you can't tell them what they're doing wrong more than they already tell themselves. So mm-hmm. I know with Lamar being a one, if he makes a mistake or there's something that is not done right, he knows that. So I could just ask a question, hey, what happened here? he'll let me know. And he's probably already going to tell me, I can't believe I did that. I'm going to do it like this. I've already identified where I can do it better. I'm good. Whereas my default would be like, Lamar, I can't believe you did this. You need to do this, 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 and this don't let it happen again. Well, he's already beating himself up because ones have that loud inner critic for wanting to be right. And I'm going to ruin the relationship or hurt the relationship. If I'm coming down on him like that, rather I, he knows what's wrong. He, he knows what he did wrong and he can make it better. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, uh, that was strange. When I read resentment, I was like, you know, that, that doesn't seem right. And reading the description is, um, is quite freeing. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's weird how well it pinpoints, you know, those feelings. I don't have any problem with confrontation and that's helped me a lot to just voice those concerns in a very calm thought out bullet point kind of way. Mm-hmm. of course, is the perfectionist, but, uh, <laughs> but it's true. It's, Bullet point right? my thoughts. Like, I'm the yeah, king it, of that. It's weird. I've got it? a <laughs> list on why you're wrong. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's weird that way, but, you know, I, I've always felt this way of, you know, I will beat myself up. I just need support. When I mess up, how do I do better? Because I don't want to do it uh, poorly. And maybe I don't know the right way or, you know, I know the way I just messed up. So that's, uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. And one thing that I wanted to touch on from the <clears throat> Daniel, from the gluttony side of things that, that uh, we were, we had a conversation with our coaches yesterday about that difference between the excess of a type eight versus the gluttony of a type seven in the sense that with a type eight, <clears throat> that excess is there's, it's like a squirrel who has five nuts, all that they can have. But the fact that there's just three more out there, they just want to go get it because it's out there. Mm-hmm. Whereas gluttony would look more so like, I have, I have enough, but it just doesn't feel like I have enough. So let me go find a few more and then maybe I'll eventually feel like I have enough. Does that make sense? So that's like that tiny little difference. It does. Yeah. I mean, they both kind of seem to resonate with me, but um, I guess depending on the day, they kind of Mm. both resonate with me. You might, might be a wing thing for you. Yeah. It's probably a seven wing eight. Yeah. That's what I highlighted was seven wing eight. I felt more on that side of things um, yes. for sure. We're definitely going to be friends moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I feel like that can be a good and a bad thing. I mean, the bad, the bad thing is, is, you know, does that mean I have one too many whiskeys to try to, <laughs> to, to do something that, that could be a Friday, but then on a Tuesday night, I could be up until 2 AM working on a website on a side business or something in a bit good and bad, you know, right. for sure. But no doubt. Um, it, it's definitely eye-opening. 
it's really it's helpful in, in remembering or keeping in mind i think for seven wings eight wing eights and eight wing seven so if you put gluttony and, and excess even though they're they're different you're really navigating both of them at the same time it's helpful to understand am i controlling these things or are they controlling me and that's kind of what what flips the switch in controlling it or navigating it and leveraging it as a strength or it becoming a liability if you feel like you have to get more you have to do the next thing then it might be teetering on a liability, but if you feel, no, I, I get to, or I can, then it's a strength, right? Interesting. Uh, well, yeah. And it, you know, that's, you know, I, I touched on that a little bit, you know, it felt like I was a different person before March of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you, do you find anyone that, that seems to change over, over the, over the years or as, as they, uh, Keanu, Keanu once told a, this story that, uh, he, I think it was a type five who was literally, was literally living in his insecurity path for like 15 years. Is that what you said, Keanu? Yeah. So to answer your question, Daniel, what happens is, <clears throat> is we don't just navigate in this, like, say we wake up on, on Tuesday and we're just our average seven self. And then all of a sudden we go healthy or unhealthy or confident or insecure, depending on how the day goes. What actually happens is sometimes a person finds themselves navigating into an unhealthy place and then they kind of just settle there or that just kind of becomes a new normal. And we often don't realize that, hey, I'm, I'm not navigating at my best, but this might just be how life is now. And so I've encountered people that like Lamar's talking about, he was actually a psychiatrist, had never been introduced to the Enneagram. And as I broke it down, he was very, very quiet after I had processed the paths section. And, you know, I kind of had a jar. I'm like, hey, are, are you okay? And he said, I, I just realized I lived 20 years in my unhealthy path. And I just thought that was what adulthood looked like. So <laughs> what, what could be happening for you, Daniel, is that you, you, you may have navigated into, are, are you saying that it, it was a, is a stress thing or is it a confidence thing? Uh, probably more of a stress thing, you know, way of the world thing, you know, it, uh, uh, problems bigger than myself thing. Right. I mean, I think everybody's kind of going through that and maybe everybody's getting jarred a little bit into some unhealthy path, but definitely, yeah. Notice that more optimistic self turn more of a, more of a pessimist or more of, well, why does it matter anyway? Right. Yes. It doesn't matter anyway. It's it's all going to end anyway. Right. So I've seen, I've seen myself go down that road. Um, you know, a week out of every month for the last, for the last nine, I would say. Well, as you describe that, looking at the bullet points here in the insecurity path, the type seven, taking on the unhealthy characteristics of the type one, restrict and limit yourself to achieve goals, become more critical and judgmental of yourself and others, critical and angry towards, toward others who place limitations on you and identify flaws and move away from them. So let's think about what's going on in the world. Well, now all of a sudden, it's not that there are flaws. It almost feels like in 2020, and it's still kind of like 2020 and a half. It's not 2021. <laughs> it feels like, well, there aren't flaws. The world is flawed. And, and this is just a giant flaw. So I can't move away from it. So it almost keeps you paralyzed in that place of, of that being critical and, and angry. And then this one here, critical and angry towards others who place limitations on you, it could also be at a time frame. So being critical and angry at this time that there are a lot of limitations placed that deals were missed and friendships were fractured. And of course you, you've grown them back or, you know, a lot of division has taken place, a lot of divisiveness, right? So it's being oh, yeah. critical and angry because now I'm limited by all of the stuff that's going on in the world and I can't truly be myself. 
So I think mm-hmm. that, that that may be what's happening on your end is that you've taken on a lot more of this insecurity path or the stress path. And now it's figuring out, okay, why, right? Why am I here? Why am I in this unhealthy spot? How can I wrap my head around it? Maybe process it with Austin a little bit and then get yourself back to that positive place. See, because when we know what our worst self looks like, I call that rumble strips, like rumble strips on the highway. If you're driving down I-25 and you hit the rumble strip, you know, I'm about to sideswipe someone or go off the road. Yeah. Better steer back, better steer back. So knowing this and having this awareness, it tells me I'm, I'm getting off the road and I need to steer back and get back into a healthy place. Well, it seemed to happen really quickly. Cause once I read that, um, my wife and I were starting a property management company right now. And we, you know, we started it, uh, in, in October of last year, um, and took on our first property in January and she's there full time and she's really loving it. Um, I was supposed to have, you know, website, all this design stuff, all these pamphlets, all, you know, things to give people, um, which, you know, maybe that's not the, the, the thing I'm the best at, but I was supposed to have it done months ago, you know, but again, everything going on with the world or going on with business, I just chose not to do it. And it felt better. Not. And when I read this, I was like, what, what am I doing? What the, I need to go and do that stuff. I was up until two 30 in the morning working on this. And I, I was like happy. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm just jamming out all this stuff, working on a website, working on all this design stuff. So it seemed like, yeah, it was kind of jarring reading that. Um, for Man, sure. Well, as you can see, Keanu and I can get on this all day long and I'm going to use my type type oneness to, <laughs> to make sure we end <laughs> on time and unfortunately land this plane. This has been so fun. Daniel Austin, thanks for taking the time to do this, man. I hope that this has been helpful to you guys because this has been really fun for us. No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. This has been eye opening. I think it's really going to help us, you know, work together and, uh, you know, kind of look at some of those uh, those crossovers, strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, this has been really cool. Thanks for thanks for having us on. Yeah, well, thank well, you guys all- for sharing and uh, really opening up. And, and it feels like accelerate relationships, accelerate results. It feels like we've all been best friends forever now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I hope that uh, we can engage further if you guys want to dive into it more with your team or together and actually engage with True Strategy. But either way, thank you guys again for diving in. And this isn't the last conversation. So let's connect again yeah. soon. Apply this like crazy and let's get back together and, and see how that's been working for you guys. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate it, guys. Thanks for jumping on with us. Thank you, guys. Stay safe. We'll see you soon. All You too. Take care. This has been More Than Numbers Enneagram for Business. Thank you for listening. Please, if this was impactful for you, share this with a friend. Like and subscribe on your favorite platform. And if you want to engage with us, you are ready to take action today. You can email us directly, info at truestrategy.info. We'll talk about accelerating your relationships and accelerating your results. And if you want to find our assessment to find your type or help a friend find their Enneagram type, visit assessment.truestrategy.info. See you on the next one.